right, welcome everybody. Great to be together here in this room and also online. Thank you so much, church, for staying faithful online and continuing to be a part of what God is doing at North County, Christ the King. We love you all. I love this picture, this one that's going up. I don't know if you've seen this online some places. There it is. How many of you have seen this online? Pretty amazing picture. And, and what this is, according to Adam Baker, who posted this online, the men on the right are about to parachute into Normandy um, on D-Day. And the men on the left are those same men 70 years later. And they're actually in the exact same plane that um, they parachuted out of 70 years ago. And I just thought that this was a remarkable picture. And it just reminded me that there are men and women in our nation and around the world that have literally walked into, or in their case, parachuted into the valley of the shadow of death. Because really, they did not know exactly how things were going to turn out when they jumped out of that plane. And so, you know, I think that is a great picture of the fact that all of us face valleys of shadows all the time. And we want to talk about that this morning. You know, the shadows of death we face daily. And it's interesting to me that the first three verses of Psalm 23, they were pretty great, weren't they? The last three weeks, I mean, it's all about you're not going to lack anything. You're going to lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead us beside still waters. He's going to restore our soul. I mean, what great stuff, right? Well, we're turning the corner this morning into the valleys of the shadow of death. But what I want to say to you that as we turn this corner is that even the valley of the shadow of death is a great place to be when you're there with your shepherd. Let me say that again. It's a great place to be. Even the shadows of the valley of the shadows of death is a great place to be when you're there with your shepherd. So we encounter times in life where we have what I call the even those of life. Can you say even though? Even though. And those are the times that kind of disrupt our lives and cause us pain and, and, and struggle and trouble in our life. And so we're going to talk about those valleys this morning. But let's read this passage together out loud. It's on the screen. Uh, would you read this with me? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's quite a statement. I will fear no evil. And you know, when David wrote this psalm, he was in an actual valley. He was talking about an actual valley that, that he would shepherd his sheep through. And this is a picture of the actual valley that lies between uh, En Gedi and Masada. And David would have traveled this route many, many times. And he would have shepherded or led his sheep. He would have walked his sheep through a valley like this one or this very valley. Uh, as you can see, there's one way in and one way out. There's no way to escape. You can't climb up the sides. You have to walk through this valley. And so you need a good shepherd. You need a good shepherd to lead you and guide you through this dark valley. And what I want to say to you today is that we have valleys of shadows of death that happen in our life all the time. You may not be aware that that's what they're called, but that's what they are. There are shadows that touch our life. The valleys that we walk through cast shadows upon our souls. And so we have to deal with these things as we go through them. Here's a picture of what Steve talked about last week. I thought he did a masterful job of talking about the soul. And he said that our soul is broken. But what I want to say to you today as well is that our soul is constantly being dinged or being hurt or being damaged by the things that we, the shadows that we endure in this life. So he broke our soul in several parts. It's our will, our mind, our body, 
our social interactions or our relationships. That's a part of our soul, and that makes up the soul. And all, all of these parts can be damaged uh, by the shadows that we endure in life. But what I want you to know is that when one part is damaged, every part suffers. Like you don't just get damage in your body and expect your mind to skate free, right? No, if your body gets damaged, your mind is also going to pay a price for that. Um, you know, my soul has been damaged over the years. And I still go through times from day to day or week to week where, where I experience damage in my soul. For me, because I'm highly relational and I'm a highly loyal person, for me, it's when that sense of loyalty gets damaged. You know, that's when I really feel the most pain in my soul. But this morning, we're not sheep walking through a valley of a shadow of death in Israel. We are sheep, but we're not in Israel, are we? So for us, what are those valleys? What are those shadows? And, and what I want to say is that I think that the shadows that we walk through are anything that, that hurts us in our soul. Anything that causes anguish in our mind or anything that causes damage to our body. Uh, anything that affects our choices that we have to make. Um, anything that affects our social relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our family. I think that those we could safely call shadows. And again, you can't separate your parts out. You can't separate body from mind. In other words, when you get diagnosed with cancer, it's your body that's diagnosed. But if you've been through cancer, you know that your mind suffers anguish as you go through the process of treatment and just the things you have to think about and deal with. You have stress. You have worry. It affects your family. We have people in our community that are going through severe struggles with cancer right now. And it affects their family. On the other hand, when you suffer relational loss, like let's say a separation or a divorce, or maybe you have a child that has kind of estranged themselves from you, when you experience relational loss, your body suffers as well. You know this is true. You don't sleep well. You might gain weight. You might lose weight. But you suffer not only in your mind when you go through relational loss, but your body suffers with anguish and anxiety. So you see, and what I'm trying to get get out to you today is that it's not just one part of you that suffers. You have to think holistically when you walk through a valley of a shadow that all parts of you suffer. And it's good to know this because we need to identify what's really happening when our life gets hurt. So life is filled with these even those. But here's what I want to let you know this morning. We've got to keep walking with the shepherd, right? We have to keep walking with the shepherd. He's leading us through the valley. And so we need to keep walking with him. And that's number one in your notes today. We've got to recognize that life is filled with even those. And this helps me stay in step with my shepherd. If you don't recognize the even those, if you don't recognize the shadows that are impacting your life, you won't be able to deal with them. You won't be able to, to take them to your shepherd. You won't be able to stay in step with your shepherd. You have to identify that these are actually shadows of the valley of the shadow of death in your life. So even those, I would say, are a part of our everyday, not just once in a while. I think I experience at least one a day. Uh, even those can be your two-year-old that you're trying to raise. They can be your two-year-old being defiant. Anybody ever had that happen in your life? That can be a shadow. That's the curse, right, that's coming out of your two-year-old. Or it could be your teenager missing 15 assignments. And you're like, how could you miss 15 assignments? You know, that's a shadow that's cast over your life. Now you have to deal with this. Or it could be darker news like a diagnosis or, or discovering that your spouse has been unfaithful. Any of these areas of life 
can be shadows. And we're touched by these, even those every day. Now, I would say my assessment of the current times that we're in is that we're in some of the darkest shadows that, that I've known in my lifetime right now. In fact, right at this very moment at 11 o'clock, Governor Inslee was giving his latest assessment and some new rules that, that he's uh, wanting us to follow. And, and so it's going to bring even a, even a little more darkness to our lives as these mandates are placed upon us. And it's difficult, and it's like living in the shadows, isn't it? That's how I feel. I feel like I'm living in the shadows, and so staying in step with my shepherd. Staying in step with my shepherd is so important for me, and it must be important for you too, right? Think about it like this. Uh, Anybody here like the sun? You enjoy the sun? Remember the the sun? Remember that warm yellow ball of light? Kind of sunny today. I love the sun. Um, I need the sun. I get blue in the fall and I get blue in the winter. And so my wife and I are actually leaving town this week to find some sun. And, you know, but clearly we've left the summer behind. If you saw the rain this morning, that's that sideways rain that we get here. So now we really are in the valley of shadows. But remember when the sun comes out, you, you move your chair with the sun. Do you do that too? Like when I'm sitting in the sun in the spring or the fall when it's a little cool out and the shadows start to come and invade my space, I'll move my chair and just stay in the sun. And that's kind of like what we have to do as we're in the Valley of Shadows. We have to, we have to move our lives to stay in the sun, to stay in, in the leading, to stay in step with our shepherd, with the Son of God. Um, you know, the shadow of death, it's really the curse of sin upon our lives. And it's a beautiful thing when we can stay in step with the shepherd. Shadows touch our body through disease and age. I'm feeling that a little bit more as I get older. Uh, Shadows touch our emotions, mostly through relational things. Shadows touch our will. I don't know about you, but under the choices that I have to make daily in this time of shadows, man, I'm telling you, my plate is full of decisions and choices that I have to make all the time, and, and you probably do too. And so I'm in need of a good shepherd. So I just want to say to you this morning, Psalm 23, verse 4, that we are in these dark shadows. And I think sometimes when we're caught in these dark shadows, we ask the question, where is my shepherd? We ask the question, is my shepherd really, really with me? I don't feel him. I can't hear from him right now. Where is my shepherd? Is my shepherd really with me? And sometimes we feel alone in the deeper, darker shadows that we face. But I want to tell you this morning, my experience has been and is becoming that the darker the shadow, the closer the shepherd. Let me say that again because this is powerful. In my life, and I hope in yours, the darker the shadow, the closer the shepherd. In other words, I need him more intensely when I'm in darker shadows of life. It's not that I need him more, but I feel like I need him more. And so he draws close to me in those darker times of life. You know, I want you to remember today that I think usually what we fear is fear. you understand what I'm talking about? It's that anticipation of what might happen that we fear. So really what we fear is fear. Once we're in the valley, we're fine. Like we cope. We rise up, right? We're equipped for this. We know how to fight the fight and do the battle. But it's before the battle comes that I think we really engage with most of the anxiety or most of the fear. And it's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. In 1933, 
We were in the shadow of the Great Depression. Anybody remember that? If you do, you're 90-something. So 1933, the Great Depression, it was a dark shadow. We lived through it. That should give us hope. We lived through the Great Depression. But my parents walked through the Great Depression. My mom was 10 in 1933. And do you know how the Great Depression affected her? She became a saver. She saved everything. And she's with Jesus now, so she doesn't care that I'm talking about her. But when we cleaned out their house, which is, you can drive by my old house that I grew up on Benson Road. It's two houses south of Isom, a little old farmhouse. They were there 51 years. When we cleaned out their house and we moved them into a condo, there was a full basement and three attics packed with stuff that she never used and truly she never needed But she always said to us, you know what, I might need that someday. So how she was affected by the Great Depression was that she decided that she never wanted to be without and she never wanted her family to be without. So she would save milk jugs and canning jars and all of our homework. She had six kids. All of our homework. So that's like a lot of years of homework from kindergarten to 12th grade. When we cleaned out her basement, I went through all my homework and threw it away as I went, right? I just went, oh, I remember that. I remember that little pictures from first grade and it was really kind of fun, but I might need that, right? We might need that. And so she just saved everything. She lived in kind of this sense of, of anxiety because she had been through this great depression. And it was in the great depression that FDR said these words in one of his speeches, And you'll recognize this. He said, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. And I would have to say I agree with that. The greatest shadow that we face is fear. Fear paralyzes us. Fear keeps us from advancing. And the valleys of the shadows are meant to walk through, not camp in. So when you find yourself camping in fear, you've got to ask the question, Lord, how do you want me to get through this? How do you want me to walk through this? What do I need to change to get out of this valley and not stay camping in this valley? So we face our fears with the help of our shepherd and we keep walking. We keep walking. I like to stay recognizing that we're in a valley keeps us in step with the Shep. Can you say that with me this morning? We're in step with the Shep. We're in step with our shepherd. That's the only way I know to walk through the valleys. I've got to stay in step with my shepherd. This Friday, just a couple days ago, I spent a couple of hours dismantling my chimney. Anybody else ever done this? Have you ever dismantled a chimney? Yeah, so we're remodeling a house, and this chimney's been there for 100 years. And it runs from the basement all the way through two floors and up uh, through into the roof, right? And thankfully, Vitelli, my builder, uh, took down the roof part because he said to me, Kurt, you're too old to be on the roof. He actually <laughs> said that to me. I'm like, dude, if you want to do it, you go for it. But still, I had all the way down through the upstairs bedroom and all the way down through the kitchen and into the into the basement. So do you, do you know how you take apart a chimney? One brick at a time, literally. It's like how you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. You take down a chimney one brick at a time. And you have to because they're kind of intertwined. And you've got to take the top ones off first. If you don't, you're in trouble. You're going to have injuries, right? And so... 
You take off those top ones and you work your way down. And before you know it, the chimney's gone, brick by brick. And that's the same way you deal with fear. One brick at a time. And you start with the top ones first and you work your way down. You work your way down. And sometimes you have to do it in the dark. I had to do this in the dark. I had my iPhone. That's all the light I had. Um, but there's no power in the house right now. And fear is the same way. Sometimes you feel like you're, you're working in the dark, right? You're not exactly sure how things are going to turn out. You're not exactly sure how far you're going to get. All the unknowns. Now, do you know what was the worst part of this whole chimney project? <laughs> yeah, that's coming today. Actually, I've got my boys going to help me pack the, the bricks out of the out of the upstairs. No, it was the three months leading up to the project. Do you know that after Craig told me, "Hey, the chimney's in our hallway, so we need to move the chimney," for three months, off and on, I worried about the chimney. I had anxious thoughts about the chimney. I would wake up in the morning and the chimney would be on my mind. Do you know how long it took me to dismantle this chimney? Two hours. I wasted three months of my life literally worrying about two hours worth of work. Why? Because it was unknown. It was because I didn't know how it was going to go. It was because I didn't know how hard it was going to be. And so I wasted a whole bunch of my life worrying about something that never even really was a problem. And that's what shadows of dark valleys are like. We, we worry about the things that we haven't even truly faced yet. Once we're in the valley, we gear it up, right? We can fight. But it's the fear leading up to the fight that causes us the most stress. So here's what I want to say to you today. Trouble's going to happen. Jesus promised. We're going to have trouble, okay? Trouble's going to happen. It's a result of living under the curse of sin. We're going to have trouble in our life. And trouble is different than evil. We have to catch this. In the valleys of the dark shadows, trouble is different than evil. Trouble is normal. We we get trouble all the time. But what this passage says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say Jesus is going to clear away all the trouble. It says we fear no evil. What is evil? Evil is intent to harm. So it makes it different from trouble. Trouble just happens. But evil is intent to harm. There's a force behind the evil that wants to do harm to your soul, wants to destroy your soul. And your shepherd says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let anybody destroy your soul. You may have pain in your soul. You may have struggle in your soul, but you will not be destroyed. You'll be pressed but not crushed, like Paul said. So Jesus, our shepherd, is committed to guarding us from the intent to harm that the enemy has on each one of our souls. He's going to get us through the valley of the shadows of death. So why will I fear no evil? Number two, I'll fear no evil because I know that God is with me. I know that he is with me. And he is with me, helps me overcome my fear. Knowing that he is with me helps me overcome my fear. I still have to battle. I still have to struggle. But he helps me overcome my fear. Now, as we work our way through Psalm 23, I want you to notice the difference between the first three verses and how David referred to his shepherd and then how he he refers to his shepherd when he gets into the valley of the shadows. The first three verses, he refers to his shepherd as he. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. I mean, he restores my, my soul, right? Leads me beside still waters. But in the valley of the shadows, I want you to notice what happens to David's perspective of his shepherd. 
the he becomes you. It becomes very, very personal to David when he finds himself in the valley of the shadows. And I want to say to you today that God becomes even more personal to us when we find ourselves in the valley of the shadows, when there's something that's really threatening our existence, when there's something that's, that's causing harm on our soul. Um, God becomes you, not he. He's in us. He's beside us. The darker the shadow, the closer the shepherd. And I personally have found this is true in my life. As I go through darker times in life, I'm more dependent on him. I realize I need him. But also, he draws close to me in a way that maybe he doesn't all the time. Our shepherd draws close. You know, Jesus talked about the shepherd who leaves 99 to go to the one. And I think this is a great picture of that, that in the darkest shadows, the shepherd will come to us. And he will guide us through those darkest times. Isaiah said it like this. He said, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So for me, knowing that God is with me and knowing that he is my personal, relational shepherd in the darkest times that I face keeps me walking in step with him. That's what keeps me there, walking in step with him. He is with me, and I know this, and it gives me courage. It doesn't mean I don't struggle. It doesn't mean I don't battle. I do. I have my moments where I'm like, wow, really? This too? But yet, as I walk with my shepherd, he gets me through it, and he will for you as well. And believing that he's with me is what gives me comfort. Listen, there's no magic formula for walking through valleys of shadows. It's simply believing That the shepherd who says he's with you is really with you. And that gives me incredible comfort in my life. That brings me to our last point today. Living in God's love. Understanding his love. Understanding that he loves me and he's for me. Gives me comfort in the shadows. I love what John said about this in 1 John. He said, we know, we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. All who live in his love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. There's there's a statement about our soul. See what I mean? There's a statement about our soul and God protecting our soul from evil. We don't have to be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And I love this verse. Such love has no fear. Would you say that with me? Such love has no fear. Why? Because God's perfect love expels all fear. You know, it's as if the more we understand his love for us, the more our courage is built, the more we understand his sovereignty, we realize nothing can touch us that he doesn't allow. We realize that God has a plan for our life. We realize that maybe this trouble came, but he is enough for us. He is good. And he is enough. And as we believe all those things about God and many, many more, this rises up in us. His love, as we live in him and he lives in us, this rises up in us. We truly believe what the Bible says about his love. And it rises up in us. And as it rises up, like a flood, it expels the fear that comes and wants to reside in our souls. 
And so the key to expelling fear is not fighting the fear. The key to expelling the fear is embracing God's love. And really understanding and really believing beyond the shadow of a doubt. That his love is enough for us. That's how we make it through the valleys with Jesus. I just want to close on how the shepherd loves us this way. Because you might be saying, well, that's a little ambiguous, Kurt. How does God really love us? What does he do? And I want to say to you, and you're going to love this, with his rod and his staff. With his rod and his staff. A good shepherd loves us with his rod and his staff. And this is a picture of four things that I want to leave you with. And the first one is protection. God protects us with his rod. There is evil that would do harm to your soul. This is an actual type of lion that lives in the Israel area. This is the Asiatic lion. And this is the kind of lion that David would have uh, thrown his slingshot at or, or had to hit with a stick. Imagine that. Hitting that guy with a stick. Right? But that is what God does. God takes his rod and God beats away the lions that... Want to, that want to harm us, that have intent to do evil on our lives. And here's the thing about that. We know the ones we know about. We know the, the times that we have faced evil and God has done something about it. We don't know all the times that he's done something and we had no idea. I often ask the question, I wonder how many times the shepherd has had to beat away evil on my behalf. You know, when you think about it that way. So it's protection. And then secondly, it's guidance. The shepherd guides us and he does this with his word. He does this with his word. I'm in the word a lot, not just to prepare for for messages. I'm in the word because I I have to have it. I have to have it. I can't live without his word. His word is what reassures me of his love. You know, when I read his word, it's, it's his love letters, you know? It's his love letters to me. And I, I mentioned my mom was in the depression and that she saved everything. She saved all her love letters. Because she would read them over and over and over again. Some of them weren't even from my dad. And I know we encourage you to throw those away. But letters were so precious. My mom worked for McDonald Aircraft in, is it Douglas McDonald? In California during World War II. She moved to California, did her part helping to build planes. And there was this one guy that worked there and he was a cartoonist. So he would, he would draw cartoons. She saved them all. And we got to look through them when we were, you know, getting rid of all her stuff. But also letters upon letters upon letters that she saved from my father that, that she would read from time to time. Uh, letters that he would send her and she would feel reminded of his love. And, and God's word is full of love for us. It's full of love for us. And then there's rescue. I don't want to say a lot about this. There's a kind of a cute cartoon here of rescue that, that God rescues us. Like he beats off the bear, like we've said, you know, hits the bear, whacks the bear. But then he'll also use his shepherd's staff to, to rescue us when we've gotten into places that we can't get out of, right? And God does that for us. But then the last one is really, to me, very, very important. And, and it's the rod of discipline. I don't know about you, but as a sheep, I can be a little hard-headed and a good whack for me. It's just what God needs to do every now and then. And he doesn't harm me like eternally, right? But it might sting a little bit. He might have to whack me with his rod just to get my attention and to say, Kurt, that's not a good direction. 
Or, Kurt, don't say this, don't do that. I mean, he, he sometimes has to whack me. And the, and the ways that he uses discipline in my life is often through brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, that may come to me with some information or a word that I need or just a caution or something that they have to speak into my life and they need to tell me about and God uses them in my life to bring discipline to my life and help keep me out of those dangerous places. To help keep me from making life worse than it already is, right? And so brothers and sisters, but also his word does that for me. And God disciplines us because he loves us. We have to understand this. Hebrews 12, 5, it says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? And if we know a child like that, we say they're a what? A spoiled brat, right? And God says, no, don't ever become a spoiled brat. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate. And you're really not his children at all. So here's what I've learned is that godly discipline is God's expression of love for me because he wants me to stay in a healthy place of life. He doesn't want me to get off in the weeds. He doesn't want me to hit a hook or, or you know hit a draw. He wants me to stay in step with him. And he uses loving discipline to do it. You know, sometimes you wonder why you're going through a valley of the shadow. And sometimes God allows that to discipline us as well. Just like David took his sheep through, God sometimes lets us go through it. But sometimes it's our own choices. And I want you to know this morning, if you know about raising kids, God is the original love and logic father. You know love and logic, the books? God is the original love and logic father. If you make the choice, he will allow you to experience the consequences. And you will grow through that, right? But sometimes also God disciplines us. And when this happens, when this disciplines happen, it's God's intention to lead us out of the shadows into the glorious light of his comfort and of understanding how much he loves us because he's disciplined us this way. There's this scripture I want to close with today, Romans 8. It just fits this perfectly. Worship team, if you want to come and get ready to lead us in one last song. But this is such a great passage of Scripture. It says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him... Abba Father, or Daddy. That's what that really means. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. As we close with this song this morning, I want to remind you that fear is the enemy. Fear is the enemy. As we face these times of dark shadows in our life, the question really needs to be for us, Jesus, Shepherd, how can I stay in step with you 
Each of us, each of us here in this room, each of us online, this is the question we need to ask. Jesus, in response to what's happening around me in my culture, how do I need to stay in step with you? And the chances are it's going to be a little different for every person. Everybody's going to respond a little differently to the shadows of life. But that's really the question. Shepherd, shepherd, how can I stay in touch with you and step with you? How can I allow your love to flood my soul so that I don't live in fear? Let's stand up together. We're going to sing this song, and then I'll come and close us in prayer.